Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in thy sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Amen. So this morning we begin uh, again, or we begin anew, as we set off as believers and even as a church community, as we set off on our Advent journey, um, a journey that in a few weeks brings us to Christmas Day, Christmas morning. For us, obviously, as a church, it's very special because our, our last uh, service in a, uh, in a space that was our home was this day, the first Sunday in Advent uh, last year. And so we finally come full circle and are, are making our way now on this journey that we stumbled through in my sunroom and living room, but no more. This journey we begun uh, this morning started with the litany. Um, despite uh, the quality of the job that I did in delivering it, we started with the litany, which in the 79 prayer book that the Episcopal Church uses and the 2019 that the ACNA uses, they call the Great Litany. Um, and it's, it's obviously the litany is penitential. There's a lot of Lord have mercy and we beseech you and or we beseech thee, and all these sort of things. Um, and so because of that, because of the penitential nature of it, the litany is actually the most appropriate way to begin this journey, this Advent journey on the way to Christmas. Uh, after all, it's through repentance that the faith journey began inside each of us in the first place. And Advent is the head of the church calendar, and so it itself, again, it's a beginning. And so what better way to enter into this new year of the church than through repentance and calling upon the Lord to hear us and, and to forgive us. But Advent is not just, uh, it's not merely the beginning of the church calendar or the liturgical year. It is also a time of anticipation, a time of preparation, and a time of remembrance. Advent and, Christian, and Christmas are often confused. The confusion arises because most North Americans begin celebrating Christmas before it actually arrives. Because again, Christmas is a 12-day season that begins on December 25th, not before. But here in America, we wake up the day after Thanksgiving, typically. Of course, there are those people who the day after Halloween begin setting up. But that most of us, the day after Thanksgiving, we, we, we arise and we start singing Christmas carols and putting up Christmas trees and putting up Christmas lights and decorations and this and that and reindeer and fat men in red suits and all these sort of things. Um, and, you know, call, and it, it's obvious Christmas is the most wonderful time of the year. There's no disputing that. It's a, um, you know, it's, it's a good time, a, a a jolly time filled with lights and family and cheer and presents and all these sort of things. And while that's not bad, obviously, that's a good thing. Um, there's nothing wrong with us looking forward to Christmas, even when it's still weeks away. Um, even if your wallet doesn't look forward to it being here. There's nothing wrong to looking forward to it, but let us not forget the path we got to travel to get there. Uh, this path of preparation, uh, this path of Advent um, that takes us all the way to the manger um, on Christmas Eve, Christmas morning. 
And this path, uh, though it's, it's not very long, obviously, it's just four weeks and that's it. Uh, it's filled with hope. It's filled with peace. It's filled with joy. And of course, it's filled with love. And that's what the candles represent. Today was hope. Um, next week, I believe, is peace. Then the pink candle or rose candle is joy. And then the final candle is love. And of course, the big white one, that's the Christmas Day candle, the candle of Christ or whatnot. And so we have this visual reminder in front of us of the journey as we, we progress. And each, each uh, Sunday that we get together, there's more and more light being lit because the light of the world is coming closer and closer. And so obviously, uh, it's becoming brighter and brighter. So here on this, this first Sunday in Advent, we reflect on hope. Hope that the prophesied king is coming. Hope uh, that is found in, in, as we rejoice in his presence. And hope that's made accessible to all who believe upon him. All of which has happened, is happening, and will continue to happen until his coming again. Certain times of the church year, uh, such as Easter and of course Christmas, uh, are much like uh, the sacraments of Holy Baptism or Holy Communion, um, where they seem to... Uh, transcend time in a way and, and are essentially instances when the past and the present and the future all collide uh, for just a fraction of a moment. And in that moment, the church militant, which is us, stands united with the church triumphant, which is those outside in, the, in their graves and those all around. Um, as all, and in that moment, we as the body of Christ, we're united in all of creation in that moment of grace seems to ever so briefly stand still as we experience these, these moments of grace in, in the sacrament of baptism, the sacrament of communion, and in the uh, rejoicing of the resurrection as our icon depicts over here, and the rejoicing in the birth of the Savior. In those moments that are, we do not perceive as mere humans, but the fact that they're there, where the past, the present, the future meet together. And the reason for that, it's simple. It's because it's the fullness of hope. Hope which was, hope which is, and hope which shall be made manifest. In our gospel passage this morning that was appointed, St. Matthew writes about Christ's triumphant entry into Jerusalem and the hope which came with his entrance. And the truth is, this passage seems kind of out of place for Advent. Sounds like a, a Palm Sunday passage that we should be celebrating right before Good Friday and, and such. But it's actually fitting for this day as it speaks to the king's arrival uh, and the preparation of the people for his arrival. Essentially, this morning's passage was his coronation procession. Our text tells us that as the people rejoiced in Jesus' arrival and shouted Hosanna and uh, blessed Son of David and all these, that all the city was moved that day. And yet even then, most, most of the people still were not prepared as they only saw him as a prophet. They did not see him as the prophesied Messiah who was to come. 
Despite the seemingly countless prophecies uh, from the Hebrew scripture that Jesus was fulfilling left and right throughout his ministry and his life, um, they still just saw him as a prophet, as a, a miracle worker, a wandering rabbi, and not as the savior of the world, the promised Messiah. You know, which, thankfully, today, as Christ comes uh, by the Holy Spirit to us, we recognize him. But the reality is, is not everyone recognizes Christ today either. Um, even when this Holy Spirit tugs on their heartstrings, there's many who still don't recognize that the Savior of the world has come, that he is here in our midst. And we as believers, again, we obviously, we do recognize him by the Holy Spirit. And we, and, and we do that, um, and as we progress through our life, we continually prepare ourselves, proclaiming Hosanna, and blessed is he, uh, in, you know, son of David. We reflect these things, and we rejoice, and we proclaim these things in our life as we are very intentional about our walk, uh, in our walk of obedience and submission to him as our king, as our Lord, as our savior. You know, when we gather together on Sundays and on Tuesdays and any other time that we can come together as, as uh, brothers and sisters in faith, but specifically when we gather together to encounter Christ at the table, uh, in the bread and in the wine, or when we, we gather together to sing uh, hymns and spiritual songs and those sort of things, and when we devote ourselves to the apostles' teaching, those are the ways that we prepare you know, we might not lay our, our, our clothes before his feet and cut branches off trees, but this is the way we prepare, by coming to the table, by singing, by enjoying the presence of, of Christ within each and every single one of us. Christ's entry into the city gave the people hope. Obvi again, obviously, that's why they took their coats off. That's why they cut the branches and waved them before him and proclaimed him king, proclaimed him lord. Likewise, his continued arrival in our lives give us hope. And his eventual return gives hope to all believers, everywhere and every time. Hope that by yes, that hope that yes, by faith, all that believe will rise to life immortal, as we heard earlier. But not just that, but it's hope that says by his Holy Spirit, we and all others can know that he is always present with the living through our joys and our sorrows. Because Christ knew at the end of that procession, at the end of his coronation procession, that those people, they would reject him and yell crucify. So even in the joy and in the coming sorrow, he still was among his people. Our text this morning isn't just built on some vague notion of hope because it sounds good, it feels good, it, you know, it, it tickles our fancy or whatever. Rather, it's, it's, it's because of his, his coming, his arrival. It's because those things were prophesied and prepared for by multiple prophets throughout the Hebrew scripture. That's where the hope that we discover this morning is built upon. This, uh, this morning's gospel passage, specifically, it makes reference to a prophecy, a prophecy from the prophet Zechariah who wrote, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. 
He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon the colt, the fowl of an ass. And so here's this prophecy. And that day Christ fulfilled it as he rode into town. And so justice and salvation, in other words, justice and salvation was hope. And hope that day rode in to town. As justice and salvation rode in, it had been long prepared for by even most recently as John the Baptist, who was the one that prepared the way. And so we, with the benefit of the New Testament, we have no excuse to be prepared for our king. We have prophets and, and apostles and teachers and, and all these things that are, that are preparing the way and calling forth from days of old, saying, prepare the way for the king. In our epistle today, uh, St. Paul wrote, the hour has come for you to wake up from sleep. Our salvation, you see, is nearer now than, when, than it was when first we came to faith. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let's put off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. Let's behave appropriately as in the daytime, not in wild parties and drunkenness, not in orgies and shameless immorality, not in bad temper and jealousy. Instead, put on the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, and don't make any allowance for the flesh and its lusts. So St. Paul himself is telling us, be prepared. Your king came, your king is with you, but your king is coming again to judge the quick and the dead. So let us, church, put on Christ. And as we do that, may we be found worthy of our Christian vocation as we wait upon his, his eventual return. May we push back the assaults of the enemy that occurs as we wait. You know, those people standing on the side, oh, he's not really the king, why are you doing this? Or, or these things, or um, these, these things Paul tells us to avoid. Let us push back on those things and say, no, the day is almost here. I cannot give up now. This, the coming of the king is nigh. You know, remember that many, many held Jesus as Lord that morning as he rode into town, but ended up screaming, crucify him shortly after because they did not, they did not put on this armor of light. And so they ended up falling back into the darkness, never fully comprehending the light and the hope contained therein. So may we not only prepare ourselves for Christ, but may we also strive to also fulfill the law of loving our neighbor as ourselves. We do that by proclaiming, by doing our part, which is proclaiming Christ in our words and in our deeds, by being agents of light, agents of proclamation, where we go out and say, the king is coming. That way others like us, through repentance, prayer, and honest walk, and honestly walking before the Lord, can find not only hope, but be prepared as well for when the King does return. And now unto God the Father, 
God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost, be all honor and glory, both now and forever.